Today we conclude our Lenten series here at HRBC, and we've been studying 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 through 20, all during Lent, taking verse by verse each different Sunday. So today I invite you to turn again to that passage in Scripture in the New Testament. The words will also be on the screen as I read for us, and then make some application as we conclude the series and look forward to Easter. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that no one di- that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. So, from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... The new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. For many of us today, the term online is where we used to hang the clothes out to dry. That was my brother and my chore as we were growing up. One day, there was a girl I kind of liked, and uh, my parents knew her, and they were coming by our house, and I was embarrassed by all the clothes that are on the line, so I went out back, and I took all of the clothes down and the clothesline so that she wouldn't see it, and then, of course, I got in a lot of trouble and had to put it all back up, but those were the days. Now, online is how we communicate, how we make purchases, how we pay our bills. Many of you use online banking. Well, when we were, Melanie and I were first married, of course, that was way before online banking existed, and I took care of the family checkbook. And each month, we would get a paper statement in the mail, and I would go through and reconcile the checkbook with the bank statement. And the statement had a form on the back, it was uh, a, a worksheet that you could use to make sure that what the bank said that I had was what my checkbook said that I had. And I'm one of those people who likes everything on the penny. So even if I was a penny off, I would scour through everything to find where I made my mistake And then finally, I would balance the checkbook in the little check register that we had, and I would write the word B-A-L off to the left, and then write the balance off to the right, B-A-L, balance, and I would get a yellow highlighter and draw a line all the way through so that I knew that it was balanced, that it had been reconciled. Well, that word is what we find in today's passage, although it's not a financial or economic term, in, in the scripture like this, it's a theological term. But there's same, the same principle applies, that God desires through reconciliation that, that we have a right relationship with us. And God desires that we have a right relationship with those who are around us. 
that we are reconciled to God through the cross and that we are reconciled with one another through the power of the cross through Christ living within us. Reconciliation applies that there has been a fundamental change in a situation or a relationship. It's a relational term as we see it here in the scriptures. Jesus taught the value of relationships. Love the Lord your God, obviously, and love your neighbor as yourself. Relationships are vitally important in our faith. In fact, Jesus valued relationships so much that he said that they were more important than keeping your obligations under the law. And he told the followers and the listeners in the Sermon on the Mount that if you are offering your gift at the altar and remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your offering there at the altar in the front of it, go and be reconciled to them, and then come back and make your offering. You know, that's how important relationships were to Jesus. He also encouraged his followers as they were going along the way to court to try to settle things out of court to reconcile. He said, settle matters quickly with your adversary who's taking you to court. Do it while you're still together on the way. Or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you to the officer, and you may be thrown into the prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. These are passages in Matthew 5. Jesus here is teaching the value of relationships and interfacing with one another, working out our differences in the spirit of love. Later, Jesus shared some words that you heard Matthew read earlier in Matthew 18 that help us to resolve our differences as believers. We go to one-on-one, and if that doesn't work, two or more. And if that doesn't work, well, then there are ways that the church has uh, in its structure to help people work things out so that there would be peace and that there would be unity, that there would be reconciliation modeled in the life of the church. Reconciliation is defined as the act of reconciling parties at variance or the renewal of friendship after disagreement or enmity. Enmity means that people who were estranged. And so my question for all of us today is, is there a broken relationship in your family that needs to be reconciled? Are, uh, is there a person... Uh, where there is a grudge or is there a past hurt or do you differ with friends over issues or beliefs maybe it's political the things that we see in the mainstream today can you and I as believers in Jesus Christ be at table with one another and disagree on things and still agree on the main thing and that is our relationship with Jesus Christ and that he died on the cross to give us new life and rose from the grave that we might have eternal life in heaven. Can we hold to the essentials while we might disagree on some of the other things? I hope that we can process those today. I am convinced then when, that when biblical principles guide our actions, that we are able to move beyond our differences for the sake of the gospel. Many of you are in Sunday school, and today you'll be focusing on this as your lesson. And I hope that you'll be able to engage in further conversation and study as you understand reconciliation as Jesus teaches it. Today we speak of being reconciled with God and with one another. 
And I would argue that the latter is dependent on the former. Our ability to reconcile with others is because God first reconciled us to himself through Christ's death on the cross. Paul writes in Romans 5.8, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. We are to be reconciled to God. That's the vertical relationship. In Romans, Paul writes, I'm sorry, in 2 Corinthians, our key verses, Paul writes, all this is from God, so God initiated reconciliation. He who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, our key verses for today, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. He writes, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. There's a beautiful picture in the Gospels, Luke chapter 15, that helps us to understand how God acts in our lives. That God takes the first step, that God is a reconciling God. And that's the parable of the lost son. And if you, you know the story that the man had two sons and one of them, the younger, asked his father for his share of the inheritance, which was at the same as wishing his father dead. And the father granted his share of the inheritance, which was legal at the time, and the son took the money and went off and squandered it all in wild living. And the father was brokenhearted and the father would go out every day and wait for his son to come home. And one day he was out there at the road waiting in the distance he saw his son coming home. And rather than scolding his son or just, you know, ready to give him the riot act, the father runs to his son and embraces his son and kisses his son and there is reconciliation. This is the picture that God gives us of what it means to be reconciled to God. That God is there giving us the grace and his favor and waiting for us to come home. God initiated reconciliation when he gave his son on the cross while we were still yet sinners Christ died for us and there are amazing stories that we have probably all read in the news media about forgiveness and reconciliation uh, stories like when the Amish experienced their tragedy and were able to extend forgiveness to the perpetrator or the church members in Charleston South Carolina when two years ago a shooter came in and and just devastated that church, and they were able to forgive him. Or Louis Zamperini, who was a POW, and was able to come back later and forgive his captors. And then I read of a pastor in Iraq who was able to offer the same kind of forgiveness and reconciliation with someone who did damage to his church. These things, I believe, are only possible through the power of the cross. We are able to reconcile because God first reconciled with us. There's a story in the Old Testament in the book of Genesis that shows us being reconciled to one another. You remember the story of Joseph. Joseph was a young man who was able to interpret dreams and his brothers were jealous of this and they thought his father favored him so one day they 
decided that they would kill him. And instead of doing that, they faked his killing. They threw him into a cistern, like a deep well. And then they told his father that a wild animal had killed their brother. In the meanwhile, they sold him to some Midianite merchants who had come along, who then in in turn sold Joseph to the Pharaoh's household. And then the long of the short, the short story is Joseph ended up rising up into the ranks and was given the second position in authority in the Pharaoh's government. And then years later, Joseph's family came and he recognized them and he could have thrown all of them in prison. But rather, he looked at his brothers and says, what you have done for harm, God allowed to happen for the good. And there was reconciliation between him, between Joseph and his brothers. And that is made possible because of his relationship with God. And I believe the same is true for us today, that we might be able to reconcile with those around us because God first desired to do that with us. And there's a stewardship to that. There's a stewardship of reconciliation for Christians. And we see this in the passage that we've studied today. I want to offer these words of application for us as we seek to be stewards of this reconciliation. I chose the word steward because there's a very clear responsibility that we all have. Every believer has. First, there's a ministry that God has given us a ministry of reconciliation. And the word in the text today in the Greek is diakonia. It's the same word we use for deacons. It's a ministry. It's a calling. Reconciliation is a calling. It's who we are. It's a responsibility that we've been given. We may have different spiritual gifts or positions of leadership, roles in the church, or different talents, but we are all given a ministry of reconciliation. It's who we are as Christians. Christ's love compels us to be reconcilers. And then Paul writes that we have a message. The next part of the verse, God has committed to us the message of reconciliation. And this means that God has placed it in our hands, the message or the logos in the Greek. It can also mean word of reconciliation. We are given something to say to others that can help them to see God and to be at peace with one another. This is the basic message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our ministry is to live it and to share it. So we we have this ministry and this message. And then third, we've been given a mandate. And Paul says that we are to be ambassadors Christ, ambassadors of reconciliation. The final challenge in this stewardship of reconciliation is to go, is to go and to embody it and to speak it. Ambassadors represent their country. They go to another place to represent their country. They are an envoy. They are an authorized messenger. They are an official representative. That's what we are called to do as ambassadors to go and speak and tell others about the reconciling love of Jesus Christ. We've been given a ministry. We have a message to share and we have a mandate to go. That might be to go to your brother or sister 
or that may be to go to the ends of the earth to share the message of reconciliation. Whether it's near or far, we are the voice of heaven on earth. And through our ministry and our message, as ambassadors for Christ, perhaps we can bring a little heaven to this earth. Where is there reconciliation needed in your life? How can you be a peacemaker in your family or circle of influence? What steps do you need to take in your ministry of reconciliation? The writer of Hebrews said, Make every effort to live in peace with all people and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. I think one of the most tangible ways that we can understand this message is through the bread and the cup. Jesus, as he gathered with his disciples the night before he died on the cross, took bread and he gave thanks, blessed God and blessed the bread and said, this is my body given for you. As often as you meet, eat this do in remembrance of me. And in the same way, Jesus took the cup and blessed it and blessed God and said, this is the blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you for the remission of your sins and the sins of many. As often as you gather together, drink it deeply, this do in remembrance of me. Let's pray together. Lord, in these 40 days of reflection during this Lenten season, as we have focused on your compelling love, God, hold, help us to hold on to your steady hand of grace. Help us to let go of the need to be right. Help us to notice your presence in the big and small things. Help us to turn our backs on the gods of urgency. Help us to make amends with those we have offended. Help us love the ones around us that seem impossible to love and replace our eyes and our hearts with yours. That your kingdom would come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven.